Good. I want to welcome everybody today to the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Uh, my name is Bob Campbell. I'll be your moderator for the day. First order of business, turn off those nasty habitual ad addictive cell phones that some of you are carrying. Make sure that the buzzers are off uh, because you're being recorded and so you'll be out there on the internet immediately if you uh, break that rule. Um, you're familiar with the format of our program. Uh, we have our speaker for approximately half an hour. We have approximately half an hour for our lunch and then a Q&A for a half an hour. And that's the way uh, it uh, operates. Uh, there will be somebody at the table who will make sure that everybody has put $14 into the money basket or bowl or whatever is at the table. And uh, someone will be around to collect that in a bit. Um, the uh, format, as I've already uh, announced, uh, was uh, we know how we're going to operate on that one. So at this point, I'd like to introduce our speaker. As you know, um, this topic on pharmacare is very timely, and it is going to be one of the issues in the upcoming federal election, we're quite sure. Our speaker today, Sandra uh, Azakar, has been an advocate for a fair and equal society for more than 30 years in Alberta. Her past experience includes working as a child protection worker, volunteer worker within the Chilean community, as well as the labor movement. She has served in many positions in the Alberta Union of Public Employees, including uh, vice president. She's on the uh, board of directors of Friends of Medicare. She was on the friend, board of Friends of Medicare for six years and now currently serves um, as our executive director. She also sits on the Canadian uh, Health Coalition, Public Interest Alberta, and the board of the Chilean Canadian Culture Society. She's off-quoted um, advocate for um, Medicare, as she is a tireless advocate for the protection and improvement of our system here in Alberta and in Canada. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sandra Alcazar. Thank you so much for that kind introduction. Um, I'm going to try to follow my uh, PowerPoint presentation, but I, I don't usually do very well with it, so just bear with me and pretend that you're following along with the uh, slides. So anyways, I, I want to uh, uh, start out by thanking Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs for allowing me to speak uh, to you, as we hope that in the coming months and as we draw uh, near to a new election, uh, both federally and provincially, that we put this issue at the forefront of Canadians uh, who want to see um, this uh, program come to fruition. I think this is one of the, uh, a, an area that's known as the unfinished business of Medicare. Uh, you know, this is not a new area of advocacy. We have been advocating for for this for at least two decades now, or since the inception of our public health care system. Um, the public health care system, initially, Tommy Douglas's vision included the first stage of, of us addressing affordability to some degree. And, uh, and at that point, we made a, pl a pledge uh, as Canadians that we would never ever see a Canadian die because they can't afford health care. And we also made a pledge that uh, 
no Canadian would ever have to go bankrupt because they can't afford health care. So for us, this is uh, one of those areas that, that definitely needs the attention uh, that it should have received a long time ago. But um, so for that purpose, what I'm going to do really, my, the overview of my presentation is that I want to tell you a little bit of who we are and then why we're here and why we need a national drug plan. Uh, and who should it cover? Because I think that's the conversation that most people want to have. And uh, what drugs it should cover. And how it should be funded. Uh, so, and then of course, what can you do to make sure that where we're politically at um, actually gets that extra push. So. There we go. My hero. Um, Friends of Medicare if you're not familiar with who we are, uh, is a nonpartisan partisan advocacy organization that has since 1979 promoted the protection and expansion of our public health care. A public health care that is enshrined in the values of equity, uh, of access for all based on need and not ability to pay. And I think you're going to hear a lot of that. Um, the um, principles of the Canada Health Act is, is a little bit of what guides the conversation around the, uh, the uh, implementation of a pharmacare program. We use that as a guiding principle in the work that we have done uh, to push a single-payer national pharmacare program. And for us, this whole conversation is about equity, like I said, and the facts that medication should never be a luxury for only of those that can afford the prescribed medications. I think the universality of our program has a tendency to end as soon as you're, you're given a me, uh, prescription. Um, and if you're uh, fortunate enough to be able to have some type of coverage, then it's a different conversation. But we will um, you know, explore all those uh, problems and issues that come from that uh, throughout my presentation. Um, and one of the reasons why uh, actually we are here right now is because these three uh, fine men will actually be vying for your attention in the federal election. And what we're trying to do is actually talk about the political will to lead and talk about the political will to make the necessary changes that will need to be made to see this program actually uh, re be realized. Federally, we're uh, going to be going into an election Provincially, we're going to be going into an election, and it takes buy-in from both, uh, from both uh, governments for us to be able to have a successful and uh, a well-implemented pharmacare program. Today, the Atlantic premiers all got together in their, in their uh, Atlantic me uh, premiers meeting, and they all um, put out a call to support pharmacare, which is really good. You know, we, uh, we, we want to see buy-in from the provinces, so we want to make sure that whoever leads the province in, in 2019, that we will also see that push for a national pharmacare program uh, when it comes to the time of uh, Western premiers to actually take action and, and uh, support a, a, a program. So why are we here? Canada is the only country with a single-payer universal health system that does not cover prescription drugs. Like I said before, the universality of our health care ends as soon as you get a, a, med, a, a prescription. So this translates into one of 10 Canadians who are unable to afford prescription medication. 
and yeah, that's, that's the one. We, um, across the Canada, across Canada, uh, drug coverage is a patchwork of, of drug programs. We have over 100,000 uh, across the country. These are only the public ones, right? Um, with provinces offering some coverage for low income, those with disabilities or seniors, while others have access to private insurance such as through an employer. While we know that public plans can help some low income Canadians, some only cover very expensive drugs, meaning that patients are left to pay lower costs uh, out of pocket, or which is impossible for some. So where you live, your age, where you work, determine what is covered. And also um, whether or not you have some kind of chronic disease like cancer, right? So this patchwork of uh, coverage has resulted in inequalities and inability for some people to, um, to uh, buy a medication when it's prescribed to them. Andre Picard, um, the, in the Global Mail, pointed out that um, about a, a 20,000 out-of-pocket hospital cancer drug treatment would be free for patients in Nanavit. It would cost, the same drug would cost about 3,000 in BC and the full cost in PEI. So it's, it's inequality in terms of portability, which again is one of the principles of our Canada Health Act. This goes against the principles uh, of our... Uh, of our system, which would treat us equally regardless of where we live or the expectation would be. So what happens is that sometimes we have people traveling to other provinces where their medication is actually covered. And, and it's not, um, you know, it kind of takes away from the ability to say that our, our Canadian healthcare system is equal for all of us, no matter where we live. As I mentioned before, um, uh, you know, drug coverage is a patchwork of programs across the country with provinces offering certainly a variety of drug plans, and Alberta is no exception to this patchwork of uh, programs in, in the way that we uh, provide drugs and benefits to Albertans. We currently have uh, 23 drug and supplementary benefit plans. So again, your age, you know, if you're a senior, if you're not a senior, your income, uh, where you work, and where you live. So if you are living in a long-term care facility, medications are covered, but if you're living in a DSL-4, which is a little bit lower, you have to pay for your medication. Um, we do have a plan that actually covers uh, some of the seniors with a $25 cap, but if you're on one or more medications, that can add up really quick, um, and a lot of people are, are not in a position with a fixed income to kind of continue to pay that. Our current drug plans, the 23 drug plans, cover 20% of the population. We cover um, 900,000 Albertans out of the 4 million people in this province. The rest, uh, if, like I said, if you're lucky enough to have a, uh, a uh, work plan, you know, you're on the other side. But if you're not, then uh, you're, you're looking at, at making some difficult choices sometimes. We, even with that small percentage of those uh, in the public system, Drugs and supplementary benefits are among the highest uh, expenditures, expenditures of our healthcare budget. And for years now, we have seen an, an approximately 10% increase in the cost of drugs. 
So that's what makes these plants really expensive, is the fact that the cost of drugs continues to go up, regardless of whether or not the provincial government tries to just to uh, buy generic drugs, which is what um, the direction that they have been taking for a long time. And we have seen some reduction in the cost. I think the government uh, had given the mandate of decreasing some of this budget uh, to two or three percent last year. Um, obviously, they weren't able to do that. Um, because that would have mean, meant that a lot of the drugs would have been uh, not covered and, and, uh, or the cost passed down to the people that are actually accessing those drugs. And so we continue to see uh, um, an increase. And we also see an increase in those that are eligible for these plants. Uh, for example, in, in 2013 and continuously, we always see an increase in the amount of seniors that are accessing seniors' benefits. In 2013, we saw 4%, uh, and every year it continues to go up as our um, population ages. The downturn in the economy also mirrors the increases in these drug plants and the amount of money we're paying. Uh, Low-income plants, for example, uh, mirror unemployment rate. In, uh, in 2018, 6.7% um, is what we, uh, was what we saw as our uh, unemployment rate. And it was down from 7.8 in 2017, and normally those, those plans usually mirror the increase of people seeking uh, public help. Um, again, we, uh, you know, the health expenditures is there. It's kind of hard to see, but the drugs is, is uh, the third highest um, little pie there in our, out of the $20.8 billion. And again, it's impacted by how many people we, uh, we are covering uh, in that particular year. And Canadians uh, pay the second uh, highest price in the world for brand name pharmaceutical medicines and the highest for generic medicines. In Alberta, biologics, um, drugs are, are costly and we've seen a significant increase, 17% since 2015 and a steady growth again of at least 10% every year. So, so what does that mean to you um, to me and our families. It means actually that one in five uh, households in Alberta experience financial barriers in getting their prescribed medication. Um, and while many workers in Alberta enjoy some kind of workplace benefit package with some prescription drug coverage, uh, one third of Alberta's workers don't have health benefits. Um, and one must also remember that benefit plans are part of negotiations. So if, you, if you've ever you know, been in a, in, a, in a situation where you need to bargain your benefits, um, usually some people will not take a wage increase, but they will get better benefit package out of it. So technically we're paying for that increase anyways through the loss of wages. So in, in terms of lower wages, um, you know, just uh, the other night we were talking to an owner of a manufacturing company and he was talking about the fact that um, because of uh, the increase in prescription drug costs, he said that they had gone so high that he took away his employees' vision benefits to recoup some of that rising uh, pl drug plan costs. So work plans are, are not something that we can rely on. In terms of bargaining, we lose it through our wages, but you can also lose your job or change jobs at, uh, into a, a place where you no longer have benefits. Um, and uh, sometimes you get a divorce or, or separate from a partner who had the benefits and all of a sudden you're faced with no benefits at all. So work plans are not something that we can rely on. 
Um, and then there's what we know in Alberta, uh, precarious employment and part-time employment. In Edmonton alone, uh, in, you know, in before the uh, October of 2018, uh, over 100,000 people were earning $15 per hour or less um, when the minimum wage increase came in. And the majority of them uh, were older than 25 years old. So we're not talking about the teens that are still under, covered under their parents' uh, program if they have one. And, the, and this work is often precarious and without benefits. Um, here in Alberta, three quarters of Alberta's uh, 390,000 and some part-time workers didn't have prescription drug coverage. And in 2015, there were 375,000 self-employed workers in Alberta without employer-based health benefit coverage. And our seniors' coverage, like I said before, requires an out-of-pocket co-payments for up to $25 per prescription. And this plan is often uh, always talked about because we, um, I don't know if you recalled uh, a couple of years ago, actually in about 2014, 2013, um, we actually had to occupy the minister's office, um, Fred Horns, when he was the minister because of, of the implied changes that they were going to be doing to the seniors' uh, benefit plan at that time, leaving a lot of seniors without the ability to afford their medications. For us, barriers to access not only means people don't get the medication they need to live a healthy life, but our health um, system becomes burdened in emergency responses in hospitals for those who are sick um, with avoidable illnesses. Um, I'm hoping that you'll be able to see. In May of 2018, the Canadian Federation of Nurses came out with uh, this report. And apart from unquantifiable value of human life, uh, the cost-related non-adherence to prescription prescribed medication is an important public health consideration affecting health outcomes and overall health care costs. For me, this, this study is what should just make people understand why it is that we need a national pharmacare program. Last year, um, 420 Canadians died because they couldn't afford uh, their diabetic medication. You know, we have up to 70,000 older Canadians, 55 plus, who suffer avoidable deterioration in their health status every year because they can't afford their medications. We have up to 12,000 Canadians with cardiovascular disease, age 40 plus, that require overnight um, hospitalization because they haven't taken their medication. 370 to 640,000 premature uh, deaths in the Canadians with, um, if I could read it, with uh, heart disease every year. So for us, it's is, is, uh, is a human cost that can't be uh, recouped. You know, I, I think when we talk about a pharmacare program, we shouldn't, conversation should be guided with the discussion of, instead of who's going to pay for it, we should be asking ourselves who's going to benefit from it. And uh, definitely, um, we should not be uh, um, looking for excuses for us to uh, not have this program in place. Any human life is, uh, is, is uh, definitely uh, not something that we could put a price on. So why do we need a national uh, drug plan, apart from all the reasons that I've already given you? 
I've already given you. A, a universal prescription drug, drug plan is part of a broad-based uh, poverty strategy when you're looking at the social determinants of health um, that can help those people in need. People should not have to choose between groceries and the medications they need. Um, in Alberta, to give you an example, uh, due to financial and knowledge barriers, many Albertan seniors with or at risk of cardiovascular disease do not receive the recommended preventative medications and are therefore at a much higher risk of heart attacks, strokes, and other complications. Recent surveys have suggested that some Albertans, seniors, it, with lower income struggle with paying insurance co-payments for their prescriptions, causing them to stop uh, these important therapies sometimes. And first, and, um, we have seen up to 50% of Albertans at high risk of heart disease who do not receive the recommended cholesterol-lowering drug, lowering drugs only because they can't afford it. Cardiovascular events such as heart attacks and stroke, along with chronic uh, disease, can lead to cardiovascular events, such as diabetes, result in significant morbidity and mortality, costing the Canadian healthcare system over 93 million, billion, sorry, not million, 93 billion per year. Our system is intentionally designed to prioritize drug companies' profits, and that's one thing that it does very well. Uh, one of the stated reasons uh, was that, it, that we were paying pharmaceutical companies to, to have so much control of what's in the market or not is the fact that they were supposed to allow more research and development, development of drugs. Um, but that aspect has been a failure over and over again. We watched uh, research and development in relation to sales uh, decline from 11.5 in 1999 to about only 4.5 in 2013, and that number hasn't increased very much. While companies' profits continue to rise. And their um, profits give them even greater clout uh, to influence the system. We currently allow drug companies to fund our approval process because they pay half. So they just have to prove that their drugs is more effective than a placebo for them to actually be able to bring in a new drug. Also, drug make, um, makers say that default lies with the insurers, uh, that shift costs to consumers more for drugs than they do in hospital and Medicare. If you find anybody who's not in support of the Pharmacare program, it usually right now is the insurance companies and the, and the pharmaceutical companies. Go figure. But, um, but it's, it's a funny conversation that's being had uh, at the national level. Um, there was a... Um, a paper that was actually put out by the uh, Innovative Medicines, which represents uh, um, the pharmaceutical companies who blame the insurance company for upping their premiums based on, on faulty predictions of drug increases. And then the insurance company saying, well, you guys are the ones that provide those numbers, um, so it's really not our fault. But the insurance companies are really wanting to be part of the conversation right now. And, and see what their new role could be in a national pharma care program. We um, have a very um, clear uh, direction of, of where the insurance company's role could not be in the national pharma care program. Um, but uh, again, those are discussions that are currently being had. Um, so we're going to talk about who should um, cover it. 
who should actually, that actually should be, that should say who should be covered, not who should, well, who should it cover? It's the same thing. <laughs> what we're saying is that uh, all residents of Canada uh, should be covered by a national farm public drug plan. And, and this coverage should be portable from one part of the country to another. Again, um, we don't want Canadians to have to move to another province so that they could have whatever required medication that they need um, covered in, in the province that they've decided to move in. Um, and there should also be no co-pays or deductibles, since even at the modest levels, um, they have been shown to prevent patients from receiving the medication they need. There was a research study that was done by the Canadian Labor Congress that indicated even co-payments uh, of $2 was sometimes cost prohibiting for people to be able to get the medication they need. And I know that it sounds uh, really um, low, but um, there's some people that uh, basically can't afford $2, right? And that's a reality for many Canadians. Um, we don't require co-payments for visits to the hospital or doctors or treatment at the hospital. So our stance is why should we have to pay for co-payments when we need uh, sometimes life-saving medication? Oh my goodness, I thought I was doing really well. Um, it, um, again, it, it has long been a, a central tenant of our healthcare system that uh, good health should not be based on a person's ability to pay, but basically, uh, you know, should also be applied to prescription medications. What drugs should be covered? And again, um, what we want to do is actually see a program that's actually uh, not a, a race to the bottom. We want to see a formulary that's safe, that's evidence-based, and, and that meets the needs of Canadians. We don't want to see people lose their benefits, because a lot of people will say, well, I'm going to lose my, my perfectly good um, medication plan, and I don't want, and the public plan is not going to be able to cover that. We want to make sure that the formulary is, is um, actually meets the people's needs, and we have an opportunity to make that formulary a right formulary, like I said, that, that is based on, on evidence, that is safe, that the drugs that are going to be on the, on the formulary are effective, um, and, uh, and that will meet, like I said, even, even those people that um, have rare diseases. Um, it should be reviewed for inclusion, um, and, and this is a really important part of who should be covered. These drugs should be reviewed for inclusion on the formulary by an independent body of medical experts and researchers with no connections, commercial or otherwise, uh, to the interests of pharmaceutical companies. And all drugs on the for formulary, like I said, should be safe and effective. Um, and this, this uh, review process needs to be transparent and doctors and, and medical researchers have access to research information necessary to adequately assess drugs. Um, we want a formulary, like I said, that's evidence-based. And, um, and we uh, definitely want to see um, the federal government and provincial governments having um, a say in what is, is on there. And how should the plan be financed? That's another huge question that we always get asked. Um, we're saying that it should be financed in the same manner that uh, hospitals and physicians are currently financed, coming from general revenue, um, and that the federal government needs to step up to their federal responsibility in terms of ensuring that the funding that they commit to will be there regardless of the economy um, and regardless of what changes in, in the uh, government are. We. Uh, you know, initially when Medicare came in, um, the federal government was paying 
Um, and that has changed significantly. We're down to 19%, and, and a lot of times the provinces have been left to hold the bag. We want to make sure that this plan is actually um, one that will have uh, uh, funding that's sustainable and that where the federal government will definitely uh, meet their, um, their obligation, their federal obligation. And, uh, and we don't want to see any type of, um, any type of uh, unfair taxation. You know, there was some talk about uh, doing a, a pharmacare tax. That would be an unfair tax for people to have. Um, there's all kinds of conversations happening right now about how we would fund this. It would take about $16.4 billion uh, as the initial investment um, to fund this program. Currently, we're paying uh, 20 point something billion dollars. Um, but um, the savings that we would see, uh, according to the uh, parliamentary budget officer who came down with this report, it would be about $7.1 billion in household expenditures right now and nine point uh, something billion dollars, um, a little bit over $9 billion just from other program expenditures. So it would be a significant saving down the road. The initial investment, though, would be about $16.4 billion. It would mean, at the end of the days, when all the numbers are crunched, according to the parliamentary budget officers, that we would only see an increase of about 2% uh, more new spending by the federal government to implement this, this uh, program, which, when you look at it, is, is basically a drop in the bucket when we're talking about billions of dollars. So we can afford uh, uh, national pharmacare, uh, and um, this is something that we will be pushing for for a long time. So part of our work, very quickly, um, we have actually um, been working with our national partners. We're waiting um, after all the stuff that we have actually been engaged in to make sure that this is on the agenda in the upcoming elections. The report that we're waiting for is uh, the advisory council that was set up uh, last year by the Liberal government, led by Dr. Hoskins, who used to be the Minister of Ontario, uh, Health in Ontario, and they will be tabling a report that's supposed to be the blueprint to the implementation of a pharmacare program. We know exactly what we want to see in that blueprint, and our work is basically um, ensuring that we take this to the end line, that we will have a, a drug plan that has all the uh, all the asks that I have talked about during this presentation, and we're asking people to actually meet with their MPs, to talk to their politicians, provincial and federal, and make sure that they stand by uh, something that um, will benefit all Canadians. You know, we want to get to the point where people ask, what was life before, uh, before PharmaCare came in? And, that, and that's our ultimate goal. So thank you so much for listening <laughs> before I...